Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. For the 366th time, uh, the Focus Society of Overachievers is live. I was thinking about that last night. Uh, 366 anything is a lot. Uh, that's almost like if we had this show every day for a year, but we've only had it weekly. So <laughs> we used to have it twice a week early on. And uh, But anyway, I'm very proud to be here and very happy with the... Uh, uh, many, many, many people that do download this show weekly. Our numbers are up, and uh, it's always fun to. And some of the people have sent me an email at chuckbartok at gmail.com and uh, shared their thoughts, and I've met uh, literally thousands of people over the last uh, seven-plus years doing this show, and it's been an awful lot of fun. Your sponsor today is uh, represents a, a product system, that I have uh, I endorse highly because it has been part of my personal fitness program, which has allowed me to uh, stop being obese. I'm still in the heavyweight class, uh, not for long though. I've got about 10 pounds to go, and I will be in the uh, normal range of weight according to my height and age, which is now 69. Of course, my energy levels are fantastic, and and you know, Laura, you'll you'll appreciate this. For some reason, clients. New clients keep calling, and I say, well, it's because I feel good. I think that I just have more energy, and I'm accomplishing more on a day-to-day basis. So, uh, Anyway, your show today is brought to you by Team Health to Wealth. That's the number two, teamhealthtowealth.net. And uh, that company, I did a lot of research before I made the decision, uh, major decision to change my lifestyle, which is what it is. And uh, uh, there are many companies, no question about it. Uh, I'm not going to say one's better than the other. But what I enjoyed about this company is there was a tremendous amount of support. And uh, I I enjoyed the group of people that I'm working with. Uh, For those of you that are entrepreneurially bent, um, this is hyped a lot as a a salvation for income. Uh, That's not why I entered it. But I've always been a little strange because I've always felt if I do anything well, the income normally follows. And here it is four months later. And, yes, there is income being generated, uh, basically because people are asking me personally in public what happened. And I tell them a one-minute story. And, hey, if they want to, fine. If they don't, I don't care. They want to feel like me and willing to discipline themselves, willing to change their lifestyle. Uh, They can share but again, there are other companies that offer the products too. So uh, you know, there's not one solution for everybody. Outwitting the Devil was written in 1938, published in 2011. And good reason for that, I'm sure. In fact, I'm surprised that the uh, the current uh, government uh, hasn't banned this book because it's very damning to the system that's in place in our world today in the United States. Uh, the way our government is being managed uh, is a perfect example of the devil being in power. And if those of you listening to this program do not believe me, I suggest you get a copy of this book, read it thoroughly. We are, we're discussing it. And I think you will find out that in 1938, Mr. Hill, who just left uh, the White House, he was uh, appointed to be part of a committee to rebuild America, which he wrote Think and Grow Rich in 1937, And uh, he realized, uh, being involved in the White House at that time, what a mess it was and the direction it's going to go, because there's such a concentrated effort of stopping the process of thinking for self. And uh, that started through the progressive movement after the the beginning of the 20th century, as those of you that understand history uh, and have read history know. But anyway... um, so this book, Outwitting the Devil, has been hidden for over 70 years. Uh, it is very controversial. He doesn't hold punches. 
and he did it in an interview basis, an interview style with, quote, his majesty, the devil. And the devil uh, wanted to be named his majesty because he can move mountains and, and uh, change the level of the oceans. Um, one of the things that the devil discusses are drifters, and drifters are people that he can control quite easily. And, of course, he likes to start with children, and uh, he starts with children uh, because uh, they're mailable, and uh, then they're going to grow up and be followers. So, anyway, and this has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with uh, thought process. The, uh, our drifters... Napoleon Hill asks on page 136, are drifters smart enough to avoid the influence of the hypnotic rhythm? And uh, the hypnotic rhythm is discussed in previous chapters. No one is smart enough to dodge the influence of the hypnotic rhythm. One could just as easily avoid the influence of the law of gravity. The law of hypnotic rhythm fixes permanently the dominating thoughts of men, whether they be drifters or non-drifters. The hypnotic Rhythm is, my interpretation, is what you have inputted into your subconscious mind over and over again, and it becomes a rhythm. You realize that we walk, we talk, we do so many things uh, automatically. Uh, those of you that drive automobiles, do you remember the difference between when you first started driving and, and how you drive today? How about riding a bicycle, roller skating, blow, uh, bowling, golf? I mean, anything you do. If you focus your time and energy on how to do it correctly, and if you do it enough, it suddenly becomes part of you. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, when I say a lifestyle change as far as fitness, you actually begin to live a different way. You're not on diets. You're not on uh, regimens. You just start living differently, and the longer you do it, it becomes part of you, and you will find yourself staying on a more healthy course of life or a, a, a stronger business position, or a better piano player, or a better golfer, a better bowler, a better fly fisherman. Uh, it becomes part of your life because you've, you've utilized the hypnotic rhythm. There is no reason why a non-drifter would want to avoid the influence of hypnotic rhythm because that law is favorable to him. See, the devil agreed with me. It helps him convert his dominating aims, plans, and purposes into their physical replicas. It fixes his habits of thought and makes them permanent. Again, we have that power, the God-given power bestowed upon us by our Creator to actually become who we want to be if we're willing to follow some very simple rules. Only the drifter would wish to dodge the influence of hypnotic rhythm. Napoleon Hill then just said, for the better part of my adult life, I have been a drifter. How did I manage to escape being swept into the whirlpool of hypnotic rhythm? You haven't escaped the major portion of your dominating thoughts and desires since you reached adulthood has been a well-defined, definitive definite desire to understand all the potentialities of the mind. You may have drifted on thoughts of lesser importance, but you did not drift in connection with this desire. Because you did not drift, you are now recording a document which gives you exactly what your dominating thoughts demanded of life. Napoleon Hill kind of ponders a minute, and then he asks the devil, why doesn't your opposition meaning God or the good guys, use hypnotic rhythm to make permanent one's higher thoughts and nobler deeds? Why does your opposition permit you to use this stupendous force as a means of entangling people in a web of evil spun by their own thoughts and deeds? Why does your opposition not outwit you by binding people with thoughts which build and lift them above your influence? The devil says the law of hypnotic rhythm is available to all who will use it. I make use of it more effectively than does my opposition because I offer more attractive bribes to think my sort of thoughts and indulge in my sort of deeds. 
if I want to control people, I can feed them that which they want, just a little bit above what they need, just a little bit above what they need. And therefore, I can start controlling their thoughts and I can start controlling their actions because they become beholden to me. It's called enslavement. It's worked very well in in our country over the last three, four decades. Uh, This is a non-racial enslavement. It's an enslavement of the mind by not allowing people to think for themselves, by not giving them the opportunity. What do we do with children? Have you ever watched a room full of children? Lori just said she had the three, four hyper. And by the way, Lori, boys are hyperactive. I don't care. There's no such thing as ADD, but you and I can discuss that at a different point. What it is, it's, it's a society's interpretation of a normal behavior pattern that currently does not fit into the, quote, politically correct, accepted behavior pattern of what society deems to be proper. Now, there are, yes, there are, and we know there are recorded, very solid medical examples of young children who have uh, some problems that exhibit these behavior patterns uh, that are due to chemical imbalances. Uh, but most of it is, uh, I think, normal behavior just misinterpreted. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. And we you can know, go. <laughs> I I was going to say I think I've got one of those definite medical yeah, ones yeah. because with the proper medication, it has turned my yeah. son completely around from from batting his head on a desk right. and refusing to work to being at grade level. No, I, I, like I said, you know, I, I, I express. I think we've overblown some circumstances because right. it's, it's a lot easier. It's an easy way out. You know what I mean? Right. It is. But you know, I, I, I have to stop and think. In 1955 was my eighth grade graduation year, and one woman in the classroom who ran the classroom had 75 students of eighth graders, which are pre right? <laughs> Boys yeah. and girls, right? Right. And it's amazing that we did not have one example of any of this exhibited behavior. And everyone sat at attention. And there was no fidgeting and you couldn't get up and move around. And we played very hard on the playground. But, uh, and it was one person. Because All through my eight years of grammar school, we were taught to discipline self because of the consequences to self, not because that somebody was going to get mad at you. It's just that it wasn't good for you. And, of course, we were taught to think because everything that was discussed in class would end with a sentence, well, what do you think about that? So people were... Eager, the classroom, 75 kids, smelly little kids, were eager to wait for the next story, wait for the next thing. And I always wondered what has happened in, uh, what, 55 years, 57 years, to change that. And, of course, those are thoughts that I'm giving out, not for discussion today. But there's something that's different that, that, that that's causing this, uh, Lori. I, I believe there's something different in the world. Well, maybe- I... I think it has to do with with nutrition, with Good. nutrition and the the dyes that are used in the processing of the foods, and mm-hmm. and how that has depleted physically bodies um, to where you do have chemical imbalances, which I think is is what my my son's issue definitely mm-hmm. seemed to be, and. When he, when we got him on the proper medication that gave him the, the proper chemical balance that he needed, he's now he's right back Good. to where he should be. All right, and that's a success story all by itself. Yes, it is. Napoleon Hill and the Devil were discussing the hypnotic rhythm, and is it available to everybody? Yes, but the Devil focuses and is able to use it very effectively on the drifters. 
It's available to all, the devil says, and I make use of it more effectively than does my opposition because I offer people more attractive bribes. In other words, the devil is saying that we can have instant gratification if we follow some of the temptations. It's, it's like drug usage or alcohol, and I'm familiar with both. You know, you've got a pain, you've got a, you got a concern. We, we have, as Lori said, we do have medications, we have artificial stimulants, we have alcohol, we have methamphetamines that take you into a new level, suppose. I, that's something, I, I have no concept of that, but it's close to me family-wise. And, and so the devil offers these things so that we can continue to be drifters. Bullion Hill says at the end of this chapter, in other words... You, the devil, control people by making negative thinking and destructive deeds pleasing to them. Is that correct? And I can just imagine the devil sitting across the table with a big smile on his ugly face saying, that is the idea exactly. The devil controls us by making negative thinking and destructive deeds more pleasing than the alternatives. You see, pleasing. And why is it that people spend most of their lives avoiding pain instead of seeking pleasure? Now, that can be convoluted. They avoid pain. In other words, they avoid putting their nose to the grindstone. They'd rather take the easy way out. They ignore things that may be difficult to take the easy way out. Those who really have a grasp of their thought process are constantly seeking pleasure because there is so much pleasure in accomplishment. I see we have Central Coastal California, and uh, Roy Morris is with us from, uh, 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 come on, Chuck, Amarillo, Texas. Central Coastal California, is this the first time you've joined us? Uh, I don't think so, Chuck. Who is it? Greg. Greg? Crines. Oh, oh, how you doing? <laughs> I should have recognized Central Coastal California. That's down in God's country, you know. Well, it is. It yeah, is. good to have you with us. Good to have you, you with us. You. We're just getting ready to just open up uh, Chapter 7, The Seeds of Fear. And uh, I know Greg and I have some wonderful banter back and forth on Facebook. He's brilliant. And uh, I, I, it's interesting. It's it's been a several year relationship of uh, some people who read our stuff might think we hate each other. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but in, true, so, hey, in so uh, how do I how do I mute myself on this so I don't cause commotion? You know. How, how do you do what? How do I mute my call? Here? Oh, I think you hit star six. Okay, I'll wait till you're ready. Yeah. Well, anytime. No, we, we keep this is an open line. I mean, well, I don't want to make noise, you know. Oh, well, I mean, you, you, you can mute yourself if you're making Sometimes Lori, uh, you know, yells at her kids and she mutes herself. Sometimes she does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, I have to. <laughs> uh, Greg, the two people that are with us, Lori Polina has been a member of this show since 19, or 2006. Hi, Lori. And Hi. She and her husband, Brad, live in St. Louis. And uh, Lori's story, if you listen to you know any of the 300... Uh, Lori is one of those unique individuals who, as a teenager, did not agree <laughs> with what she was told uh, because she was told because of her infirmities and physical and genetic problems, she couldn't do this and she couldn't do that. And she told them to go sit on their Sunday hat. Uh-huh. And uh, and she and her husband, in fact, there was a period of a time in our call where she and her husband were homeless. And they're no longer homeless, which is kind of uh-huh. nice. So, I mean, it's just kind of fun to watch people's lives change over a period of time. Roy Morris, who uh, has had his share of ups and downs in his life, is a young gentleman in Amarillo, Texas, a veteran. And uh, he, he's rebuilding his life. At I think, Roy, how old is Roy? Lori, you and he have a radio show also. What's Roy? Is he late 50s? I, I, so. I believe he was telling me he is um, 60... Oh, 62. 62. Because we talked yeah. about Social Security a while ago. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Roy's muted right now because he's but, moving and he's has issues with new service and new telephones and all that stuff that I is inherent. Six, he, Roy's 65. 65. My God, Roy, I didn't realize you were an old fart. 
I I was going to say he's he's gotten moved. He's been having problems with his right. mouth. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But he is he is my very generous and very sweet co-host, um, my generous host of a study in success. So. Very good. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job with that. <laughs> anyway, just I'm going to ask Greg. Have you read any portion of this book at all? Because I know I'm, it was. I'm afraid not yet, Chuck. Okay. Well, graphic, like I said, every every bookstore has it, or you can go to Amazon. I have an Amazon link. They pay me 38 cents every time I sell one. It's kind of hmm. exciting. I'm almost retired on it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it, what's really amazing, and, and, and you know that I've been a student of this type of, of, uh, of writing for, well, since 1960, and I see now, after reading this book several times, uh, why it was not published until last year. And actually, I'm surprised it was published. Uh, the foundation finally released it because, in a way, it puts Napoleon Hill in a very different view uh, of what most people have of him. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it, it, it's kind of... <laughs> It, it, it's a brutal book in some respects, and uh, he, he does a very good job in the preface, which is several chapters of explaining how he got to this point and how he uh, ended up, uh, quote, interviewing the devil, which was a style of writing that he used in other books, and so have other authors, you know, where I have this interview with, you know, whoever, Buddha or whatever, and it's a way of my sharing with people uh, my thought process, so. Anyway, I, I know you will enjoy the book uh, because these discussions are not as impactful, I believe, as actually reading, not just reading the book, but I say studying it or assimilating the book. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's like you have, to, you have to read that like sort of like, a, like taking little bites of a chocolate bar. Yeah, it's, it's not a book you sit down and read, you know, one night. You no, kinda... you you sit and chew on on little bits and pieces of it, like and let them melt in your in your mouth, let them melt in your brain. <laughs> the uh, we uh, so starting chapter seven, fear, and of course Napoleon Hill, fear was uh, seeds of fear. Fear was something that he discussed very well. Thing, and Greg, you're aware of the fact that Think and Grow Rich was written primarily. It came out of his book Secrets of Success, which was written in 1934. And when the president tapped him to be on the presidential committee for the rebuilding of America, which Napoleon Hill didn't want to, but he did, uh, he produced Think and Grow Rich, which uh, was thought to be uh, the uh, the working man's Bible of getting this, you know, you know, everybody get a copy and read this, and we're going to solve all of our problems. And uh, Think and Grow Rich is kind of a broad brush, although it did set my lifestyle in 1960 and allowed me to start a business right away. Um, but this book is a lot deeper, so I just want to share that with people. Good. Think and Grow Rich is kind of the pre-primer. <laughs> you know, it, 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 no, let me say this way. I think that Think and Grow Rich is more politically correct. Would that be, you know, probably a nicer thing? Anyway, Napoleon Hill is interviewing the devil, and they've been bantering back and forth now for quite a while. And Napoleon Hill asks, I have often wondered why your opposition, what we earthbound call God, does not annihilate you. Can you tell me why? And it's a simple question. Napoleon says, well, you know, why doesn't God just wipe you out, devil, you know, if you're, you're so destructive? And the devil says, because the power is as much mine as his. It is as available to me as it is to him. That is what I have been trying to get over to you. The highest power in the universe can be used for constructive purposes through what you call God. Or it can be used for negative purposes through what you call the devil. And something more important still, it can be used by any human being just as effectively as God and the devil. That's a pretty blasphemous statement, isn't it, Craig? You can see why Annie Lou, Napoleon Hill's wife, who was a staunch Presbyterian, wouldn't allow this book to be published after Hill died. And he kept it hidden because, well, you know, it's pretty blasphemy. Napoleon Hill says, you make far-reaching claim. Can you prove your claim? Yes, but it would be better if you proved it yourself. The devil's word, 
is not worth much among you earthbound sinners. Neither is God's word. You fear the devil and refuse to trust your God. Therefore, you have but one source available through which you might appropriate the benefit of universal power, and that is by trusting and using your own power of thought. This is the direct road to the universal storehouse of infinite intelligence. There is no other road available to any human being. And again, you can see that, you know, I read something, but if you read it, if you have the text in front of you, sometimes it seems a little more assimilative to me. North Indiana, is that you, Jeff? North Indiana, you're on the call. Good morning. Would you like to introduce yourself? Are you talking about me, this 574 number? Well, it, it just says North Indiana, honey. It doesn't give oh, me a tone. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, that's cool. We're glad you're hi. with us. This is Rain Adams. Oh, hi. well, glad you could find us. How did how did did you find us through Facebook? Uh, yes. Are you Chuck? Yes, I'm Chuck. Hey, Chuck. I just left you a message. I found you through Facebook. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're joining us. We're discussing a book that was published uh, last year. Written in 1938 by Napoleon Hill, the author of uh, Think and Grow Rich. And if you go back into our archives at focussociety.com, all 365 previous episodes are there. And the last, what, 10, Lori, we've been discussing uh, Outwitting the Devil? At least Probably 10. the last 10. So, and you can download those on MP3s. We have a lot of people in Southeast Asia that have all of these episodes on their iPods. And anybody that wants to listen to me that long has got to be kind of, I don't know. <laughs> we appreciate everybody. Okay. So okay. anyway, what, I, as I, just a quick synopsis to bring you up to date. If you, have you read the book? I have not read the book. Um, okay. As soon as I saw that, I was like, well, what's this? And I yeah. went and I, I I Googled it, and I saw it was Napoleon Hill. And I thought, right. like, ah, okay, universe, because I've been carrying around and reading. Uh, Think and Grow Rich? Yes. Very <laughs> and good. And I've been studying for the last few days, and I'm like, okay, this is Very what I'm good. supposed to be doing. And I have a free chapter, so, yeah, I'm interested right. in purchasing the book. Also, of, of Outwitting the Devil, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, well, it, it's at all the bookstores. You can go to Amazon. I have an Amazon link, and as I told Greg Grids, uh, I, uh, I earn 38 cents if you buy a copy. If you want to go to bestbusinessmindset.com slash devil, that'll take you to Amazon. And if you did buy the book, they'll send me 38 cents next year. <laughs> so, so we're not going to really worry about it. It's a, just a good idea to get there, you know. But anyway, basically, as a quick review, and, and if you ever want to come back to FocusSociety.com and grab the past programs, Napoleon Hill wrote this in 1938 after Think and Grow Rich mm-hmm. because he wasn't really happy with Think and Grow Rich personally and, and for reasons that we've discussed on this program. And he felt that this book would be more direct. However, it is so controversial that nobody allowed it to be published until last year. His wife would not allow him to publish it. And when she passed away in 1984, her grandniece would not allow it to be published. So uh, uh, finally it's published. And it is controversial and it may step on some people's feelings, but we're not here to make that judgment. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And so anyway, he and the devil are talking, and basically it centers how the devil controls man, or how pitiful man has been by allowing the devil to take over, okay? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's all fixed on the thought of thinking, the fact that we no longer think for ourselves, and that has been a concentrated effort, according to Napoleon Hill, by the devil working through his minions, people in government and people in churches, believe it or not. Okay, so like I said, this is a controversial book. So you know, it may appeal to some, it may not, but it makes sense when you read it. Anyway, uh, Napoleon Hill is asking, "You make a far-reaching claim. Can you claim? Can you prove your claim that both the devil and God have the same power, but yet so does man?" Because I was taught as a very young man that I was made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, I just assumed that, you know, if I do things the right way, I have an infinite amount of power for myself. Not power over you as an individual, but power to control that which affects my life. 
I became obese uh, a few years ago because I changed my lifestyle. And I, I did not like myself being obese, so I decided to change it this year, and I'm no longer obese. And, and this had nothing to do with anybody else. Nobody told me. Nobody made fun of me. You know, I didn't have social pressures against me. I just didn't like who I was. I didn't like what I was doing, and I realized that I had the power to change that. And that's the way I was taught by my teachers in grammar school and through high school and through college, that I had the power and that's what I like. So that's why these books appeal to me. Anyway, just a way to get to know me a little better. <clears throat> Napoleon Hill, oh, excuse me. You fear the devil and refuse to trust your God. Therefore, you have but one source available through which you may appropriate the benefit of universal power. And that is by trusting and using your own power of thought. This is the direct road to the universal storehouse of infinite intelligence. And by the way, Napoleon Hill always capitalizes the words infinite intelligence. There is no other road available to any human being other than the road through thought. Why have we earthbound not found the road to infinite intelligence sooner? The devil says, because I have intercepted you and led you off the path by planting in your minds thoughts which destroy your power to use your minds constructively. I have made it attractive to you to use the power of infinite intelligence to attain negative ends. Through greed, avarice, lust, envy, and hatred. Remember, your mind attracts that which you think about. This is the devil talking. To divert you away from my opposition, I had only to feed you on thoughts helpful to my cause. That's all he has to do. If I understand what you're saying, you are admitting that no human being need fear the devil or worry about how to flatter God. That is precisely this admission may put a crimp in my style, but I have this satisfaction of knowing it may also slow down my opposition by sending people direct to the source of all power. Now, this book was edited by, uh, and she did a great job, a young lady by the name of Sharon Lecter, and throughout the book, she has little uh, paragraphs in there, and this one is, here, as in other points during the dialogue, Hill gets explicitly theological. Using the devil as a foil and letting words come out of the mouth of the symbol of evil, Napoleon Hill can lay out his thoughts and feeling about God, quote, infinite intelligence, as the ultimate source for his overall philosophy of success. See, people have read this book and think that Napoleon Hill is being blasphemous to God. He's really not. Because if you read in the beginning and if you go back into Secrets of Success and others, you will find that he has a very he, he's a very faithful person. Pardon me? I'm sorry. That's okay. I thought I was on mute. Hold on. Okay. In other words, if you cannot control people through negative bribes or fear, then you wish to kick over the entire apple cart and show people how to go directly to God. Are you by any chance in politics too? Your technique seems frightfully familiar. The devil answers, am I in politics? <laughs> if I am not in politics, who do you believe starts depressions, forces people into wars? Surely you would not lay this at the door of my opposition. As I have already told you, I have allies in all walks of life to help me in connection with all human relationships. Why didn't you take over the churches and use them outright? Do you think I'm a fool? Who would keep alive the fear of the devil if I subdued the churches? Who would serve as a decoy to attract the attention of people while I manipulate their minds if I did not have some agency through which to sow the seeds of fear and doubt? The cleverest thing I do is to use the allies of my opposition to keep the fear of hell burning in the minds of people. As long as people fear something, no matter what, I will keep a grip on them. Gino is with us from Canada. Good morning, Gino. Good to have you here. Guest four, hello. 
If you'd like to type in who you are and where you're from, we'll give you recognition. Napoleon Hill says, I'm beginning to see your scheme. You use the churches to plant the seeds of fear. Again, very controversial book. And, you know, Napoleon Hill's wife and all of his in-laws were very strong in the Presbyterian religion. And in those days, in the 30s and the early 40s, it was kind of, And Napoleon Hill was earning good money, and his wife was concerned that maybe their, if this book got out in the public, maybe their source of income might be inhibited. And he discusses this in the beginning of the book, so you can all understand uh, where he's coming from. He then goes on to talk about the hypnotic rhythm again, which is, I believe, my interpretation of the hypnotic rhythm is the... Uh, the mastering of a person's subconscious mind. Um, and uh, this is something we don't spend much time trying to modify. Uh, we do have the power to change habits. We do have a ch- power to change our lifestyles. We have the power to change our thought processes. And, and the more we fine-tune that, just like learning to play the piano better, as Lori did many years ago, uh, we become very proficient at mastery of self. Um uh, and like I said, I fell into obesity. Uh, nobody made me obese. I did. I changed. I, I developed terrible habits. And it was easier for me to develop those habits than to do the other thing, to do the right thing. So when I woke up and realized, I ain't going to live this way no more, Charlie, I had to rebuild my lifestyle and I had to recondition my subconscious mind. I'm not on a diet. I I just I detest the word diet. I just changed my lifestyle. I changed the way I live. And and also it's the same thing you do when you want to make money. You can literally change the way you live to make more money. Well, because you you realize that it's not about your lifestyle is not about telling yourself what you can't have food-wise. <laughs> it's about telling yourself what what portions and what types of nutrition you should be taking in. But I haven't banned anything, by the way. (laughs) That's right. You've taken action to use, to develop the correct habits. Right. And not, it's not about sitting there saying, well, I can't have this, I can't have that. That's the problem with diets is we sit there and go, okay, I'm on this diet thing that I can't have chocolate, I can't have this, I can't have that. No, that's that's a completely wrong mindset. And I just want to say uh, across my screen, I, I, I see your mention in Facebook. It said Rain just uh, left me a message. Thank you very much, Rain. I appreciate that. Oh, so, no problem. Yeah. Hypnotic rhythm again. My interpretation is the subconscious and the not to belabor the point, if you do read the book, you'll about oh, 10 pages back, there'll be a great discussion on hypnotic rhythm. Napoleon Hill says, I'm beginning to see your scheme. You use the churches to plant the seed, the negative states of this habit. This habit crystallizes into permanency through the law of hypnotic rhythm. Then the victim is helpless uh. to help himself. Is that right? Hypnotic rhythm, then, is something to be watched and respected. Hello, Roy. Glad to have you live. What? I said, good to have you with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. A better way of stating the truth, the devil says, is that hypnotic rhythm is something to be studied, understood, and voluntarily applied to attain definite desired ends. And again, I mentioned early on the program before we even pushed the button. I assume everybody on this uh, program has at some point in time driven a car. And today, when you get into that car and turn the key and back out and do all these things, all of those things that you perform are auto-responses because you've conditioned your subconscious mind to put your body into action and your mind into action to do things. But it wasn't that way when you first started driving a car. Uh, You know, those of us that uh, remember the days of clutches and stick shifts, I mean, I don't guys, gals, come on. You know, nobody stepped in a car and got that clutch right the first time. (laughs) And it was a jerky, herky thing. But isn't it funny, the more you did it, the more you did it correctly, 
the more you applied energy to that, it became part of you. Just think of all the things we do today that we didn't do 30, 40 years ago. We do them on an auto response. Let me ask you this. How many on this show, first thing you wake up, you turn on a computer, what's the, where's the first place you go? To your email? Anybody want to admit that's what they do? <laughs> anyway, I guess maybe nobody can hear stuck. me. Yeah, huh? I, I just had to, un, I had to unmute. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, email's the I'm first pick. Right, right. Okay, now isn't that funny that, Greg, you and I have been around a day or two, just like Roy. Uh, <laughs> 20 years ago, we didn't do that when we woke up, did we? Email. <laughs> but you see, see how we, we, isn't it true that we? It, it's become part of us now to do that? Yeah. And And because of the system that we used to get there, we can apply that same system to other positive things in our life. I'm not saying email's negative or positive. I'm just saying it's just a habit. You know, and again, getting back to, to the way I live, I eat five meals a day today instead of two. And by eating five meals a day today, I've dropped a considerable amount of pounds. So can I offer an example, another example? Sure, go ahead. I'm thinking of uh, when you drink whole milk versus 0%. Mm-hmm. My my uh, daughter-in-law said, I said, well, I can't go down to zero. She said, well, after a week, it seems like regular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when you drink the regular, you want to spit it out. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah it, it, it's really – by the way, I, I just as a side to your daughter-in-law, uh, I, I've always been in, involved in the dairy industry, so I, what I'm going to say, I no longer drink uh, milk. I do have dairy products in my diet, okay? I mean, you know, I just don't drink milk. But I have supplemented that with um, almond milk and coconut milk, which I have a real craving taste for. <laughs> they're so cool, I can't believe it. And and they're the same price, relatively the same price. But uh, you know, and and somebody suggested it, so I tried it, and I did my research, and I read it, and it made sense to me. But uh, on my cereal in the morning this morning, I had coconut milk, and it was cool, man. <laughs> uh, yum, coconut milk. <laughs> what, Laurie? I said, ooh, yum, coconut milk. I know, milk. <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's costly. Somebody says, well, it's, it's expensive. I said, well, of course, you have to remember, there's just Shirley and I. And, uh, you know, we, we're not feeding an army. But um, the, the relative cost, a half a gallon of coconut uh, milk in my store is just over $3. And a half a gallon of regular milk, I think, is $1.69. So, or dollar, no, two-something. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's not a major thing. It's not going to break the bank for crying out loud. So, anyway, uh, again, hypnotic rhythm. Uh, if uh, Napoleon Hill asked the question on page 142, if the force of hypnotic rhythm is not voluntarily applied to attain definite ends, may it be in great danger? Yes, and for the reason that it operates automatically. If it is not consciously applied, to attain a desired end, it can and it will operate to attain undesired ends. Take the simple illustration of climate, for example. This is written in 1938. Anyone can see and understand that nature forces every living thing and every element of matter to adjust to her climates. In the tropics, she creates trees which bear fruit and reproduce themselves. She forces the trees to adjust themselves to her scorching sun. She forces them to put out leaves suitable for protection. These same trees could not survive if removed to the Arctic region, where nature has established an entirely different climate. In the colder climate, she creates trees which are adjusted to survive and reproduce themselves. In a similar manner, nature forces upon the minds of men the influences of their environment which are stronger than the individual's own thoughts. And I want to comment on that sentence right now because it was a a focus of discussion on the golf course last week. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it's hot today. And I turned around to my buddies and I said, you know, guys, it's hot because you said it's hot. In other words, you just changed the whole personal climate of yourself by telling yourself that it's hot. And it wasn't. It was 101. 
And I remembered when I was farming in the Coachella Valley in the middle of summer, 118, 124 degrees. That's no BS. I'm out in the cotton field, humidity, alfalfa fields. An old Mexican ditch rider, you know, he was 80-some years old then. He said, if you say, and he grew up there, and he says, you don't say to yourself, you don't talk about the heat. And you will find that all of a sudden it doesn't impact you. Now, you guys may think this is crazy, but I learned at an early age that it wasn't hot. And I did not have an air-conditioned car, and we had a swamp-cooled house. But all of a sudden now, you know, I live up here in Northern California where it's not uncommon to have 100 to 110 degree days in July and August. And it doesn't stop me from riding a bike or it doesn't stop me from playing golf. Anybody else have any input on that? I mean, don't we really tell ourselves that it's hot and therefore it becomes more hot to us? I would say, I would <laughs> say that you probably start your golf a little earlier in the morning, though. <laughs> Well, yeah, eight o'clock, you know, yeah, seven, eight o'clock, yeah. But but you know, at the same time, I've been out, you know, living here. Obviously, when we were in the horse business, you know, we we didn't quit horses at at, at two o'clock in the afternoon. Although my son training, I will, he's he's in Texas now. I will say this: that when you're training young horses to work cattle for the cutting industry, you're it's actually the cattle that we're more concerned about than the horse. Uh, he would start working his cattle about 2 or 3 in the morning and quit about noon. You, you see what I mean? Sure. Otherwise, he would put too much stress on the cattle, and he would be ruining an asset. <laughs> so, so it was kind of driven financially, too, you see. Yeah, it's interesting how we care for the things that do produce money or whatever. Well, yeah. We don't take care of ourselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we we, we want to take care of that, uh, whatever it is, like you said, the computer. Yeah. Uh, guest six joined us and left. Guest five, uh, it's not working. I, I think that's probably Gino. Um, oh, Gino's trying Chuck. to come in and out? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I don't know if, if Talk Shoe uh, on right. the web plan is having trouble with audio. Right. Um, well, they do. I mean, it's just a, a system, you know. I was going to say, because he seemed to have trouble with that last week. Too. Right. So anyway, it was kind of interesting that even Napoleon Hill, in his conversation with the devil, feels that uh, nature forces upon the minds of men the influences of their environment, which are stronger than the individual's own thoughts, which leads me the out that man can overcome some of those things. Children are forced to take on the nature of all influences of those around them unless their own thoughts are strong. And that's what I have to give credit to the lovely ladies that taught me in grammar school. They were constantly asking us to think for ourselves instead of telling us how to think. I just appreciated those ladies so much. Nature sets up a definite rhythm for every environment, and everything within the range of that rhythm is forced to conform to it. You can't fool with Mother Nature, folks. Man thinks they're pretty damned important. But boy, many of us in this last, uh, you know, we drove through Midwest this summer and, and saw the Joplin, Missouri, as Lori's so very close to. You know, folks, no matter how powerful man is, there wasn't much they could do for those, what, 15, 20, 30 minutes that went through and destroyed a town? Uh, it was it was less than that. Yeah. I, um, it took... As as one of the places we worked at, one of the houses we worked at said it was the longest ninety seconds in their life, yeah, of of their entire existence on the planet. Right, and we can't change that, <laughs> and we're not going to. Every home, every place of business, every town, village, and every street and community center has its own def- definite, discernible rhythm. That's the other interesting thing. Greg understands this because we like to banter politically. My primary concern is not the overall national political scene. I mean, it's it's part of you know what you listen to. My concern is my local political scene because that is what impacts me the most. The environment that I live in impacts me the most. So I've always believed in working from the ground up, and and to be concerned about things that I can change. I personally can change. You as an individual, anybody listening to this show today, tomorrow, you personally can impact 
a school district. You personally can impact a local city government. All you have to do is put the time and energy into it. And, and, and sitting at that front table in the past as a, quote, city official, you know, when you see that person in the audience that shows up at every meeting with a notepad and they could be drawing pictures, it doesn't matter, but they write things down. Believe it or not, you start to take notice about them. <laughs> hey, Scott. Yes, Greg. One other thing, too. People don't understand how powerful even just a call is to your local representative. Oh, unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, very powerful. So, you know, we, we do have power, don't we? <laughs> well, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> But anyway, I'm going to finish this up because I'm looking at 9:22, and the bowling, uh, the 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 uh, Tuesday morning uh, senior bowling league is going to start pretty quick, and I'm going to have to, I have to, I can't ride my bike this morning because it's six miles, and I won't have time to ride, so I'm going to drive down there. Every home, every business place has its. If you wish to know what a difference there is in the rhythm of streets, take a walk up Fifth Avenue in New York, and then down the street of a slum. All forces of rhythm become permanent with time. That's at the bottom of page 143, Outwitting the Devil. This is Chuck Bartok speaking to you from the banks of the Sacramento River, thanking Lori, Roy, uh, Greg, and Rain for joining us today, and we will be back next Tuesday. I encourage everybody, if you want to uh, allow me to make 38 cents, get a copy of the book through my link at best businessmindset.com slash devil D-E-V-I-L it'll take you to Amazon uh, they have used books I think $9, $10 I paid 13 for mine I believe bundle a, a couple of books together and you probably won't pay shipping as, as they do all the time and uh, your show today was brought to you again by a company that manufactures a product that I incorporated into my fitness program and I want to emphasize that because my fitness program is successful not because of one thing. It's, it's successful because of my mindset. And it's successful because of the decisions that I made. <clears throat> and it's successful because of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the transformation of my thought process and how I think about it. And am I always studying more, too? It's not static. Uh, I'm coming up with some great recipes, which, by the way, I've posted. I'm starting to get interested in paleolithic diets, paleolithic meals. Interesting concept. Uh, the, all of these meals, and one of them, I just, I really, real quick, I, <laughs> I just posted it on the the, the blog is a 90 day biz challenge, b i z challenge dot com slash fitness, and my latest recipe which i tried i mean obviously i didn't make it up uh it's it's kind of cool uh if you go to just for you there's recipes there uh, that is 90 day biz b-i-z challenge dot com slash fitness and tr look at the meatballs with crunchy sweet potato chips actually the meatballs are made with spinach and almond meal and it's, i'm not a vegetarian i mean i eat i just had a 22 ounce ribeye two nights ago uh, but but these these recipes here broccoli and pine nut soup fantastic oh yum uh, yeah sweet <laughs> potato hey how how's this Lori sweet potato bacon and egg salad but anyway go, go to ninety day biz challenge dot com fitness take a look at it and also uh, if you want to find out about the products that I'm taking to supplement or become part of my my system uh, go to team health number two wealth teamhealthtowealth.net. And I want to thank everybody for joining us. I'm going to have to get in the car and go, and then you guys don't have to listen to me anymore. Come back and join us next Tuesday. All of the past episodes are available 24-7 for free at focussociety.com. Thank you, Lori, Roy, Guest 4, Rain, and Greg. Looking forward to talking to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.